Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, September 23rd. We begin with a conversation with Sarah Aramako Ansa. Sarah has been named the educator in residence at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. We hear what her new role encompasses and how she plans to affect change in our province when it comes to diversity and education. The historically high vacancy rates in Calgary's downtown core were only worsened during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, what can be done to bring back workers and vibrancy to our core? We speak with Tom Mailer, down Downtown Strategy Program Lead for the City of Calgary on the issue and what's being done to improve the situation. We've heard a lot over the past year about the latest boom in our province, the growing tech sector. We get details on a hiring fair taking place in our city hosted by Calgary-based Tech West Collective. And finally, from vaccine passports to the lifting of travel restrictions for residents and the current number of active coronavirus cases, we head across the pond for a COVID-19 update from UK broadcaster and business owner Kenny James. And joining us this morning is Sarah Adamako Ansa, who is the co-founder of Alberta's first Black Teachers Association and recently named Educator in Residence with the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. We say good morning to you, Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Can you give us sort of the, the, the condensed version of it looks like it's a very big job, a big role that you've got. <laughs> Can you kind of explain what you will be doing? Absolutely. So my job as the educator in residence is to help create programs that promote diversity and inclusion in Canada, as well as the human rights of others and make that accessible for teachers across the country, as well as students and patrons of the museum as well. So Sarah, in your role and from your viewpoint, what needs to be done to help amplify black and indigenous voices in Alberta and across the nation for that matter? I think that a lot of it has to do with representation and allowing people to see themselves in spaces that maybe aren't the stereotypical places that they would see themselves in. And I think it's really important to start giving um, BIPOC individuals the floor to speak about issues. So Mm -hmm. as, for example, someone that's non-Indigenous, it's not my place to speak about the atrocities, but it's my place to help the learning occur. Makes sense for sure. So, you know, when you look at Alberta's curriculum, do you feel like there's, I'm going, I'm going to assume there's a big chunk that's missing and that we need to really work harder on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the curriculum's got a lot of work mm-hmm. that needs to be done with it. And it's, it's not written in the most appropriate way, developmentally or otherwise. So I feel like a full overhaul is necessary to give those individuals the spaces to help learning uh, flourish throughout our schools. Sarah, you have ideas and you have a direction and and, and you want to, you know, right the wrongs here and straighten things out. But I'm wondering, you have to collaborate, I would think, with educators. And and, uh, let's talk about that, taking your ideas and that process that that will make these changes. Who do you collaborate with? I get to collaborate with the team at the CMHR. There's a full education department that I've become um, an employee of. So I get to work directly with people that curate uh, programs there. I get to work with elders and residents at the museum directly. Um, I get to work alongside our CEO, Aisha Khan, and I get to speak with her often about the direction that I want to take. And I get to take feedback from teachers across the country that, you know, have tried out the programs and maybe think that there needs to be a tweak here or something missing. Um, and I can put those into play. 
Super important role, as is you starting the Black Teachers Association. Very important. You are an Edmonton teacher, so you know of what you speak. If there are teachers or educators listening, how do they get in touch with you to, to kind of get you know a little bit of this back and forth going? The best way is through our Instagram account. And um, on Instagram, we've been able to create a hub for teachers across the province to connect and network and kind of have those tough discussions before going into the classroom with those discussions. We found that it was really important to give people an opportunity to express discomfort or express successes or express what they need to so that they can uh, use the hive mind and be able to work back and forth with one another, whether we're in Calgary and Edmonton and Lethbridge, doesn't matter. It's nice to be connected that way. Sarah, thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it as well. Have a good one. You as well. That is Sarah Adamako-Ansa, educator in residence with the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. We've certainly had a problem with vacancy rates in Calgary's downtown core for some time now, but with more people working from home through COVID, what does the future of Calgary's downtown look like? Joining us to discuss this morning is Tom Maller, downtown strategy program lead for the city of Calgary. So we're trying to reach Tom, having a little uh, phone trouble this morning, but we'll get in touch with him. I believe, I think it was 30% that our, our vacancy rate in the core is right now. Certainly it is the highest of any major yeah, city we, across the country. For, for, for not just the past several months, not just the past year or two, if not number one with a bullet, we're in that conversation in mm-hmm. the top three. And uh, so this is one of those things where I think we need to not let it get, uh, we're not sweeping it under the rug, but this is this is a COVID thing? No, it's not a COVID thing. It didn't help. Um, it Let's does put not it help. that the way, economy, right? Uh, but bigger picture, this is one of the reasons we want to g- catch up with Tom you know what what is the plan because we've got we've got a gorgeous city we've got mm-hmm. a vibrant city and when you say vacancy rate still a lot of people work downtown uh, but perhaps not in the numbers and so you know we have to and i think it still has the highest density of population in the entire city when you look at those condos and apartments yeah yeah I mean, and let's face it, it's it's a hub. It, any downtown is a hub for that city. Okay, great. We've, we've managed to get Tom on the phone, so we're going to discuss the downtown strategy. What are we going to do with our core here in Calgary? Tom, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's talk about it. How does this city plan on combating this high vacancy rate? We had it to begin with before COVID. This has exacerbated things. What does the future look like for our core? Well, I, I think it looks very bright. Um, we've been working on this problem um, really back to 2014 when we had the, um, the big drastic change in our economy. And we've been working continuously during that time to come up with strategies and solutions. And most recently uh, at City Council, Council also approved a long-term plan called the Greater Downtown Plan, as well as an initial investment package of $200 million to work towards implementing some of these changes. And uh, the, the, the changes are really centered around three different things. It's a real estate challenge specifically. There's a talent attraction uh, opportunity that we have. And then it's really just changing what our downtown looks and feels like in order to make it more vibrant and attract new markets. So I can speak to more of those details. Well, yeah, let's hear some of the details because I think people are, you know, and it, it's not to anything you've done, but they're sick of talking about it and they want some action. They want the details because, you know, we, we want to have a vibrant downtown. We want to have a busy downtown, don't we? Yeah, we, abs- we absolutely do. And I, I think one of the most exciting things that's, that's currently going on is uh, th- those people that own uh, real estate um, within our downtown core, those big offices that housed all the, um, uh, the head offices that we've been, you know, we've benefited from that for many years that mm-hmm. contributed to the vibrancy of, 
Stephen Avenue, our, our hospitality industry was largely driven by those head offices. And now with the vacancies, you're seeing a lot of those property owners looking for different uses for that. So the city's approved a program called the Downtown uh, Calgary uh, Incentive Program. And that's really about uh, setting money aside um, and we had uh, over the last month, we've been taking in applications from uh, from people looking to convert those buildings into residential development specifically. That's our first phase of the program. So part of it is going to be transitioning those office buildings to residential uses. But then in the future, we're also looking at how do we convert them to other things like cultural uses or urban agriculture keeps coming up. Um, and then even beyond that, there is the possibility for demolition of some of those buildings to replace them with different types of amenities and uses that would attract a residential market. So there's a, there's a wide range of things we're trying to do with the real estate itself. Um, and then one of the other key pieces is we're not going to remove all of that vacancy just by repurposing the floor space. Mm-hmm. Our Calgary Economic Development Agency is working really hard at uh, understanding the type of talent we're trying to attract and the companies. You've read a lot about the success we've been having as becoming a, a major tech ecosystem within North America. And so the things that those employees and companies are looking for, we're working to identify the opportunities where we can start to provide those types of amenities, services, attractions, um, and basically the uh, the stage on which that tech economy can be can be driven. And that'll benefit all of our existing businesses that we have downtown as well. And then the last piece is around vibrancy. All of this is, is founded on making sure that we have a safe downtown. One of the big things we've learned from the pandemic is when you get people off the street, a lot of those safety challenges and perceptions become a, a lot more vivid. And so we have an approach. We had an announcement last week um, where we've launched something called the Stephen Avenue Safety Hub in partnership with the Calgary Downtown Association and the Calgary Police Service to make sure that we have a presence along Stephen Avenue, one of the places where we're trying to attract people. And then we're also funding uh, programming, uh, programming and uh, creating more events for people to come downtown to see. You've, you've seen a lot of that this summer. Uh, we're create, we have uh, capital money set aside for investing in public space to transform streets, which were used far more for moving people in and out of the core at peak time. Mm-hmm. And how can we transition those spaces into places for people, for restaurants, uh, and for different types of activities. Super. So that's kind of the, the range. Yeah, sorry. I mean, we could talk to you forever about it. Too. You know, we were running out of time, but it's an important strategy, obviously, one we as citizens will be watching closely. Thanks so much for the update, Tom. Most welcome. Appreciate it. Tom Maller is Downtown Strategy Program Lead for the City of Calgary. Three local tech companies are hiring. Now, we constantly hear stories that Calgary is in need of tech talent. So if you're thinking of a new career, maybe an upgrade to your current skills, this hiring fair might just be for you. Joining us with details is Catherine Lesperance with Tech West Collective. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. I mean, Calgary's small but mighty tech sector is is sure growing rapidly. So this is a real chance, isn't it, for people to learn about what is out there? 100%. 100%. This is going to be a really great event that we have. Um, we have so many companies from such a diverse background. So we have everything from financial companies, oil and gas companies, everybody who's in the tech area um, that people can come and ask questions and learn about and talk to people in careers that they might be thinking of transitioning to. So it's a really great opportunity for the community to come together. So yeah, transitioning, do I have to have like previous experience in the industry or can it be a complete 180 from what my current career is? You know what, it's 
it's going to depend. Mm. We have opportunities for people who are, say, transitioning from oil and gas. We found that there's a lot of people who, um, you know, geologists, all those type of technical people in oil and gas have a really interesting fit when it comes over to, say, data scientists and kind of learning in those roles. And to help them get over, um, sometimes it's not an easy switch from the industry. There's a lot of groups such as Inception U who can really help these people transition within about a six-month program. And so those are opportunities that are there. If it's somebody who's coming from a different industry, a lot of their skills will often be transferable. There might be just a few things that they have to learn. So we see a lot of times marketers, salespeople, all those types of groups can easily transfer over. But sometimes it's just, you know, a little scary to go into an industry or they might not know if there's certain things that they need to learn. So this is that opportunity for them to connect with people in those roles and really understand how could I transition or what are some resources that I could use to help me with that. And Catherine, I love that, uh, you know, if you're really not sure, this is just kind of a, a, a fact-seeking mission perhaps for some, but, you know, you've got great speaking sessions throughout this as well. We do. You know, um, one of the big themes that when we kind of put the call out to all the tech companies of what do we want to talk about this year, one of the big things was women in tech. Um, and so we have a group of speakers who are going to be from technical areas, so CTOs and director of agile delivery, all those different areas. And we also have women in tech who are in roles, such as chief financial officer, who are speaking today. Then we also have some diversity and inclusion, because that's always a hot topic, and kind of what are we doing to push the boundaries and challenge ourselves to really make sure we are an inclusive workforce. And then luckily, we've even got some CEO chats. So we have some um, CEOs coming in to talk about what their lives are like. And towards the end, we even have some sessions for what is the life of a uh, marketer like? What is the day in the life of a developer? And even product management. So people, again, can learn about how their their skills could transfer over into tech and maybe get a few tips on how to, how to improve the likelihood of them landing that job. Very good stuff. For more information, people can check out livetechlovelife.com. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you, too. We hope we can see you there. Perfect. And it kicks off uh, right on through today from noon to 6 at Calgary Economic Development. Catherine L'Esperance is organizer of the Tech West Collective. Well, from a change of plans when it comes to implementing a vaccine passport to the easing of travel restrictions for residents, time to head across the pond for a look at the state of COVID-19. For an update, we are joined by Kenny James, a UK broadcaster and business owner. Good morning to you, Kenny. Morning, Andy. Yeah, uh, good to have you back with us. We appreciate it. Lots going on, and not just there, but here. Here, where we have implemented in the province a vaccine exemption program, a proof of vaccination. What's the latest on the uh, COVID vaccine passport program that was talked about in the UK? Has it been scrapped? Well, there's been quite a bit of discussion over here about whether people should have to carry a so-called COVID passport, and some people themselves say it's a bit of an invasion of privacy. Um, But to things to get into sports stadia, nightclubs, other venues, and it was thought that they would be required. But last week, the UK Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, said they won't be introducing them, uh, although they do remain an option for the future. Was there just too much pushback, Kenny? Is that the reason why people didn't uh, agree with having to, to show something like that? Yeah, in the UK, too, people are very uh, conscious about their keeping themselves to themselves and they have to go to, to show things in shops and in sports stadiums and stuff. I think for many people, it was a step too far. You know, we've talked a lot about travel restrictions to the UK, but uh, we understand that there are more options for UK residents wanting to get away. Can you tell us the latest on uh, where you're able to travel? Yeah, you may have seen, Andy, that the US 
has now said it's going to be lifting travel restrictions for UK citizens uh, that have been fully vaccinated. That means have both jabs uh, starting early November. Uh, and the 26 other Schengen countries in Europe as well will be able to travel to the US too. Uh, a lot of people from Ireland, China, Iran, Brazil, South Africa, India, lots of other countries. Uh, in Europe itself now, uh, the restrictions have, have gone totally for, for most countries. As long as you can, you can show that you've had both jabs, you can fly to Europe for holidays. Kenny, I know the vaccine numbers, the vaccination numbers in the UK were, were looking pretty good. So current number of cases of COVID at this point, where are you at? Uh, well, we've had seven and a half million COVID cases in total here now, so uh, 136,000 deaths, unfortunately. 48.6 million people now had at least one dose. 44.5 million have had both. That's 82% of the population aged over 60 that had both jabs. Last week, we had 221,000 new cases tested positive and 974 deaths last week. Uh, 6.7 million tests conducted in the UK last week alone. Well, let's talk about, you know, for the average person, what life is like in that, you know, here in Alberta, um, you know, we are now, we've got those vaccine exemption, proof of vaccine needed for restaurants, for example. We're still masking when we're indoors. What's it look like for the residents there? In the UK, and I guess that, 20% 20% of people are still masking in the UK. There's a requirement to wear a mask if you're going into hospital premises or you're going to care homes where the elderly are. But outside of that, no, nobody's wearing in shops, really. 10, 20% of people, mm. uh, people on the street, 10 or 20% of people on the street. It's effectively, in most areas that I see, gone back to what it was before. And Kenny, you know, aside from being a radio announcer, you're, you're also a business owner. So were you as a, an owner and what do you hear from other people who, you know, run shops and businesses? Were they in favor of this vaccine passport, even though the people might not have been? I think generally that everybody has their own view, Sue. As yeah. you know, I think generally from, from our kind of business, some people choose to wear masks, that's staff, and some people choose not to. Some of our customers choose to wear masks and, and some of us choose not to. It's very much an individual thing where people decide what they feel is right for them. Yeah, fair. Let's talk about the impact of, of businesses. Are we seeing, a, you know, the businesses having some success? Are things getting back to normal when it comes to the bottom line? And I know particularly you work in the hospitality industry. Are people coming out now? There's been a bit of an uplift, really, in hospitality, Andy. A lot of people want to get back out again and feel that it's a bit safer. They can come back out. And and there's a lot of uh, venues, of course, where you can sit outside and have a drink and have something to eat. So people feel much more comfortable doing that. I think the shops have seen an uplift. Um, One of the big things over here at the moment is is, is, uh, the the cost of electricity and and power supplies have gone through the roof. So some people are suffering from that. But generally, I think that more and more people just want to be out and get back to some kind of normality. Yeah, I think everybody's hoping for that for sure. Thank you so much. Always a great update with you, Kenny. Thanks for chatting. Cheers, guys. Take care. Kenny James is a UK broadcaster and a business owner. That is good news. That is good news. I'm glad to hear people want to get out. And I'm a little surprised that you only have to mask in the UK. Me too. um, In hospital settings, senior care homes, for example, long-term care. I'm I'm surprised by that. Mm -hmm. I mean, good for them. Uh, 82% vax rate, as Kenny mentioned. Uh, but I, I Which have is no far higher than us. Yeah, and I think that we, we're going to be getting there, particularly when you see what happened. And, and I knew when they were getting the band back together and yeah. they were calling back uh, City Council. You knew something was going to happen. Yeah, and uh, so what this does, if you'll recall, when we talked about uh, this vaccine exemption, we were going through the list of, I believe it was on Monday, 
And boy, was it conv- or Tuesday. It was super convoluted. Well, and you know, I even talked to um, the family that owns a little pizza joint in my neighborhood, Palermo, and the, the woman was saying, you know, we're just going to close indoor dining again yeah. because we can't be police officers. We can't be the ones who have to be up front and saying, you know, we need to check your ID. So thankfully, the city has made the decision yeah. that it's just across the board so that business owners, you know, the 18-year-old at the front of the restaurant doesn't have to be the one yeah. asking for your Vax card. So these restaurants... And, and just to review, these restaurants had the opportunity to open and have dining, but under extreme restrictions when it came to capacity, mm-hmm. very similar to one of the earlier uh, you know stages we had. So if you could seat 30 people, well, you're only allowed to seat about 10 right now. Yeah. Uh, but you still have to have your staff. You still have to have the chefs and all that good stuff. So, you know, you would have taken that hit. So I can see where, like, this pizza place came into place. We'll just do takeout or delivery, exactly. whatever. Exactly. It's not now, worth it. Yeah. Now, if you are going to be open, you have to... You know, it would be part of this uh, program. It takes a guesswork out, and it can be enforced by bylaw. Right, and 12 plus, that's the age category, oh, yeah, right? The so part. 12 plus has to show proof of vaccination. Um, for well, almost every business, personal services are exempt. So Haircut. hair salons, you know, nail, spa, all that kind of thing, which I find is a bit odd. Not that I wish it on yeah. them. You know, I know it's tough for every business owner, but I find that a little bit strange, but that's the exemption that they've put in place. Um, but everybody else, pretty much, you know, any kind of business, any restaurant, hospitality industry, you are going to have to follow the rules and show your Vax card. I guess the exceptions would still be the grocery stores. You have to mask mask because it's indoors. Things like that, liquor stores. Um, You know, like if you're getting the oil changed on your car, Costco, stuff like this. But yes, those businesses where you're going to be spending time, minus, like you say, personal services, it goes into effect. Now, when is the date? This is something that I have to dig into. I believe it went into effect yesterday. Okay, so it's immediate. So the whole point is, if you have those uh, proof of vaccination cards that we can get. And now you can get them at registries. So this is something you brought to my attention. I yes. read up on it. They'll print it up for you at the registry. Yes. So it's it's just a simple piece of paper that the yep. registry will print off for you. But yeah, you can do it there if you don't have a printer at home or you can't figure out how to do it yourself. And also one thing we should mention is the final $1 million vaccine lottery closes yes. today. Ooh. So if you were one of those who got the vax when the province announced these lotteries, this is your last day to get in on that last $1 million you, draw. You've got the vax? You want to win? Might as well. Don't, don't miss that. And I just read uh, the fine print on this release, uh, the uh, new bylaw for the exemption in effect today. Okay, Starts today. today. Okay. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.